Welcome to the Milk and Motherhood podcast, where we're having an ongoing conversation about breastfeeding, postpartum, parenthood, the challenges these can present, and the hope we have for overcoming them. I'm your host, Therese Dansby. I'm a registered nurse, international board-certified lactation consultant, and homeschooling mom of three. I believe that navigating the rough waters of early motherhood with wisdom, grace, and humility can grow each of us into the mothers we long to be. Today I'm talking with one of my fantastic friends, Victoria Weber. After the cesarean birth of her first son, she dove deep into the birth world to better understand her experience and emerged as an expert for birthing mothers. She has since supported thousands of women through pregnancy, birth, and postpartum as a doula, certified holistic nutritionist, and prenatal yoga instructor. She's also an Ayurvedic chef and the founder of an organic meal delivery system designed for supporting postpartum families. I can't wait for you to hear this episode. All right, welcome back to Milk and Motherhood. Today, my friend Tori Weber is talking with us about feeding yourself postpartum and getting dinner on the table. So Tori, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Could you introduce us to yourself and your family? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm actually from Chicago. I, and that's where I met my husband. We were working in a restaurant together. Um, and that's what we've done together for a very long time. Um, we were actually like working in a five-star restaurant. It has been my career, my passion for many years before children. And um, eventually Nate and I left Chicago and we moved to a small biodynamic goat farm in Oregon. And um, we actually lived like above the milking barn and we (laughs) milked goats by hand and made cheese and grew everything from the earth. It was amazing. We lived there for several months, um, traveled across the US for a while and then landed in St. Louis where we ran a restaurant um, called The Libertine, which won many awards. And uh, we even like hosted a dinner at the James Beard House in New York City. And uh, we did that for a few years um, and got married there and then decided to have a baby. And I very quickly realized that I no longer wanted to work 80 hours running a restaurant Mm -hmm. and being up until two in the morning. And um, we're kind of like trying to figure out what to do next. And um, Nate had family here in Kansas City, where I live now. And we moved here when I was six months pregnant with my first Okay, I don't think I knew that whole story. Okay. Yeah, we just have a lot of food in our background, which is why I tell it. Mm -hmm. And you, now you grew up in like a Waldorf household, correct? And so you grew up kind of eating well also. Yeah. Well, my, I remember the transformation because my, my mom's a Waldorf teacher, but my brothers are all 10 and 15 years younger than me. So Mm -hmm. like I grew up on like no joke, powdered milk. And then my mom was like, Oh my God, like huge realization. (laughs) And we started buying raw milk and farm fresh eggs and like gardens and all these things. Um, I will say that my mom was always into alternative medicines. Like my, it was my grandmother, like she did Tai Chi every morning. She gave us homeopathic (laughs) remedies. That's how we grew up. So finding Waldorf and, um, Weston A. Price, that was just like, oh, duh, why didn't I know that? And so mm-hmm. I was about 10 years old when we started with that transformation. Okay, that's kind of fun. I'm the oldest too. And yeah, it's 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 good to remember that our moms are real people too. And they're always learning yeah. and growing. Yeah, she's so easy to um, kind of nitpick the way that I mother. And I'm like, do you remember? Oh, no. <laughs> do you remember? Yeah. <laughs> So what did early motherhood and breastfeeding look like for you? How old are your boys now? Uh, Kirk is six and a half and Mm -hmm. Soren's three and a half. Okay. So um, yeah, I had planned a home birth with my fur. I was born at home. My mother was born at home. My grandmother was actually like one of the founding members of the Leche League. And I was just like, this is what I'm doing. And did no other planning um, other than my home birth. And um, the 
plan changed pretty quickly after I had five days of prodromal labor Mm. and then shifted into active labor for 52 hours. And then my midwives were like, Tori, you have to go to the hospital. I'm like, are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) I can do two more hours. And, um, and I was stuck at seven centimeters for over 24 hours. Oh Um, went to the hospital and things very quickly spiraled into a C-section. And I really grieved that birth for three years, um, especially the first year. And Mm -hmm. I was just so shocked as to like what just happened. And so Mm -hmm. I, I really, I deep dove into the birth world because of that birth. And that happens to a lot of us birth Mm -hmm. workers. Um, Mm -hmm just trying to figure out what happened. I took a birth doula class probably when Kirk was like four months old, um, okay. not to become a doula, but just because I, I didn't have a doula at my first birth. And I thought like, this is a really good way to learn about what birth is. Yeah. Um, and then that turned into, okay, now I'm going to take a postpartum doula training. And then mm-hmm. I took an Ayurvedic doula training. And then I took a perinatal yoga certification and then um, a holistic nutrition certification, uh, craniosacral therapy. And I don't know, there's probably <laughs> something else in there too, but I was still really new to Kansas city and searching high and low for a community. And it took me about three months to find home holistic where I'm actually sitting right now. Um, it's a wellness center for women during the birthing years. Um, it's owned by a doula, my friend, and we host mommy baby yoga classes. And that's where, why I found it was, that's what I was searching for that community. I met you right during all of that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because I was just searching for everyone. Yeah. And Kirk had just turned one, I think when we met and Rosie, um, was like a baby, a baby, baby, I think. And I met you out at Stephanie's place. And I think we were supposed to do yoga and we all just ended up talking the whole time. So yes, I remember it clearly. Um, Breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. It was, it was painful, but like at the time with my first, um, I didn't really know that there were options. Like I knew there was lactation consultants, but I didn't know that there were IBCLCs that would come to your house and help you. Um, it was more of a, like, I'm just going to grip my teeth and bear it. This hurts. But mm-hmm. over time it actually did get better. And the tissue, like if he, he, if he had anything, he probably had a posterior tie and that mm-hmm. softened over time with just, okay. you know, practice, lots and lots of practice. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he's six now. He would definitely still breastfeed if I let him. And, um, and I actually breastfed him all throughout my second pregnancy. And then we tandem fed for eight weeks until his third birthday. And then we had this beautiful little ceremony for him and um, kind of toss the baton to his brother who also breastfed for three years and just weaned this past summer. So I'm like... After six solid years of breastfeeding, um, no longer doing that feels Mm kind of strange. And I have to remind myself sometimes that I'm not doing that. Yeah. (laughs) Why am I? I'm always tearing up in my podcast interviews. I'm like, I mean, that's a big, I do, I'll ask you more about your weaning ceremonies later because I do love that you do that. And I know that when you get into toddlerhood, when your kid is obviously more and more aware of what's going on, I feel like it's so important to kind of work on that transition with them. That was early motherhood and breastfeeding. And then you shared with us a little bit of how you got to where you're at. You shared a lot of that. So now today, what are you doing today? Because you have all of these tools in your toolbox. And I feel like you just have so many plates in the air. Which ones are kind of actively going all of them uh, all of them I feel okay. like I'm just juggling so many plates but um okay. yeah so when within that first year like I very quickly realized that we needed more postpartum support I was doing a, I was attending a lot of births but I have 
recently stepped back from, from that um, to make more time for one, my business. So Nettle and Honey is the business that I started um, and we offer organic meal delivery. Um, I do meals like within people's homes. I do one-on-one nutrition consults. I do in-home postpartum care. Um, I've got a myriad of products like teas and lactation bars, um, all kinds of snacks. We have a lot of custom clients that we cook for. Um, I do herb baths. Um, and then I also offer body work like Abiyanga oil massage and craniosacral. And I'm a yoga teacher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And it like kind of slowly started with like one client here and there and then ended up more and more until um, actually the pandemic like really took my business. Mm. Oh, I bet. Soaring. And yeah. my husband was still working in restaurants and got furloughed for a minute and was helping me out. I'm like, I'm, I'm working so much. And um, now he is my full-time chef. He mm-hmm. works for me full-time and um, for like three years now. And then we started yeah. the underground supper club. And so that's yeah. like a three course dinner that we cater and deliver um, every Friday. And it's an ever-changing organic menu um, for Kansas city. Yeah. I, um, I don't know <laughs> why I do this to myself, but I subscribe to that email and every week I'm like, Oh, that sounds nice. <laughs> if only I still lived there. Yeah. Um, but I love that you guys have that. Did you guys always cook kind of with that mindset? I mean, you've been working at very high quality restaurants. You've been using real ingredients this whole time. And I mean, yeah. And it's interesting because my husband and I don't exactly have the same values when it comes to food. He thinks about it in terms of quality. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I can, I look at it in terms of health and nutrition mm-hmm. and I'm like, and it, it's, it's good because at least he can see that the quality holds more nutrition. Yeah. Um, where it, yeah. Um, but that's not why he's there. <laughs> yeah. I have to remind him sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. And it is nice. At least I'm not a chef, but there's a lot of overlap, right? The first time I had a watermelon from the farmer's market versus like the grocery store that had come from Mexico, I was like, well, this tastes so much better. Like why, why would I ever buy a watermelon from Mexico when I live in Nebraska? Yeah. Yeah. I heard you talking about grocery prices in your, one of your last podcasts. Mm. And I'm like, oh girl, I feel you so hard because it's. I mean, we buy everything organic, not a single ingredient is not. And um, yeah. ouch, it hurts right yeah. now. <laughs> it does. It's hard yeah. though, because I very much value the grass-fed, grass-finished um, local stuff. And unless you have your own chickens and have your own milk cow, everything gets expensive pretty quickly. Yeah. 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 I also do like think about like I talk about this with clients all the time, the cost of food and it's it's part of your supplements. It's part of your mm-hmm. investment in your own health and I mean I'm spending $17 a gallon on raw milk and mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. actually been an expensive supplement right there and it's like got all the um high fat and quality and so many nutrients for my babies. So yeah. It's worth it. Yeah. And I do like that when you know you're eating a nutrient dense diet, you don't, we can talk about supplements a little bit later, but hopefully you don't need as many supplements when you're getting so much of it from actual bioavailable foods. Yes. But yeah. Yeah. So, and you also just launched an app on top of all of that. Yes, we did. Like literally <laughs> just this week. Um, mm-hmm. We've been working on it since, I mean, almost the whole of 2022 um and it's um just launched into the world marma and nutrition app for pregnancy and postpartum yeah I will put a link to it because I just uploaded it this week and yeah it goes through your postpartum week by week which I really love and then not only does it go through kind of what's going on but you have recipes for every week and every month and yeah well, because exactly why we're here today to talk about how to feed yourself, mm-hmm. it's like you forget <laughs> and yeah. there's so much information out there 
in all mm -hmm. realms, like in, in becoming a mother for the first time, it's just such a whole new world. And so many people are, they talk about like, why don't I, why doesn't anybody talk about this stuff as <laughs> far as like postpartum, but it's, there's just so much information. It's like, yeah. you can't really explain um, postpartum. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I do struggle with that. I'm like, like, should I explain postpartum or then? <laughs> You want people to be prepared, but you don't want to scare them and you don't want to be negative because there are so many beautiful things about it. But every time someone semi-close to me says that, why did nobody tell me? I'm like, should I have been the person to tell you? Maybe I should have. I don't know. Yeah, it's a it's a fine line. And mm -hmm. I I like to um, do little teasers and like, you may <laughs> yes. experience this, you might not. Mm -hmm. Everybody's experience is really so vastly yes. different. Yes. Or just, you know, if you run into this, because I teach um, uh, prenatal breastfeeding classes and then prenatal, it's like a newborn care class. And so it is like, if you run into this problem, this is a resource for you just to kind of tag it in their brain and maybe they won't ever need it. But if they do, because I didn't really know that with my first, like I have actual resources. Out. I didn't even know what the problem was. I just knew that it was hard, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it's helpful to kind of mention the roadblocks and have people know that there's help out there. So yeah, let's talk about this. This, this, this is so surprising to people that having one tiny little person can make things so hard. Uh, like there are two adults here and one baby and why can't I eat my meal with two hands? I mean, <laughs> so yeah. yeah. In episode six and seven, we talked about all about the food you should eat and your nutrient needs and, and how to eat in postpartum. But like, let's talk about how to actually eat in postpartum. What yeah. are the biggest roadblocks you see people running into for eating well? So ideally for the first two weeks, all of your meals are just coming to your bedside table. So you mm -hmm. can snuggle in your bed with your baby, not have to think about preparing a meal and it just appears. Um, but this isn't always the case for everyone. And even if it is, it doesn't last forever. And often the mother is well fed for the first few weeks. And then time goes by and you're left on your own and you're still not sleeping through the night and you're like, you know, still, still in the thick of things. Um, but maybe you know, your husband's gone back to work, your partner's gone back to work, your uh, meal train has ended. And, um, and also people want to kind of give you your privacy too. But um, another thing that I see is if I go in to, to visit a mom, say I'm getting there at 9am and she's been up since six or seven, she still has not eaten a single thing. Mm -hmm. Um, or even worse, she's only had coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and which like sets the day up for high cortisol and like unable to nap once I get there. And also the like, cravings for like mm -hmm. simple carbs and sugar and all the things like that. Um, so I, I really try to, um, to just to help moms like know that it's so important to eat first thing in the morning, really within the first 20 to 30 minutes of waking, even if it's something small, but hoping that it's something that is, um, a quality protein and high in a healthy fat. Um, I try to help set up plans prenatally when possible to prep mm -hmm. the freezer with easy one-handed meals. I remember when um, Kirk was a baby, I was eating some sort of soup with rice in it. And, um, but I was like holding him in one hand and eating with yeah. the other hand. And then all of a sudden I like look at his head and I was like, what, <laughs> what is this? And I, there was um, like a big a clump of rice on his head. And I, was, <laughs> I literally thought it was his brains were coming out of his head. It was, and I don't know, like, obviously that wasn't, couldn't no. happen, but in my, in my postpartum mind, I was like, my baby's brains. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Rice, but, um, yeah. So one-handed meals, um, meal train that's actually nourishing and not just lasagna mm -hmm. and brownies. 
Um, and, and after the first few weeks, I think a baby carrier is absolutely essential and wearing it correctly so that it doesn't hurt you in, mm-hmm. <laughs> in the end. Yeah. Um, and that way you can, like, once you're feeling like you're ready to move into the kitchen, you don't need to wait until your baby is sleeping. You can just wrap them up and bring them with you hands-free and also babies sleep so well in carriers. So mm-hmm. there's that too. Yes. So I actually asked this in the interview I did earlier this week, but I'm going to ask you too, do you have an ideal time that you prefer people wait before wearing baby? Um, At least two weeks, but it does depend on um, the type of birth that you've had, even Mm -hmm. if it was a long birth or a C-section or you've torn. Um, If you had diastasis, you know, it, it really varies, but I would say at least two weeks, maybe even six or more. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. it's a great job for your partner too. Yeah. When I teach my classes, I tell them to go home and unbox your carrier right now before the baby's here. Cause when they're screaming and you're like, Oh wait, we have a baby carrier. It, it, you're going to be so frazzled. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would also say that it depends on the baby too some of these mm-hmm. babies just want to be like wrapped up like a little yes. kangaroo next to you and close some will just lay on your chest do skin to skin um so gosh it, it just varies so much yeah yeah that's good and, and it is I think it's important to not have people doing it right away is the main point here because yeah you don't want to dig yourself into a hole with back pain and things like that yeah. And ba- babies are so much lighter when they're <laughs> in their first yes. month. And yes. then you try it when babies, you know, 12 or 15 pounds and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, oh, this hurts. This is. Yes. Heavy. Yes. Yeah. Or I'll, I'll have different carriers at different ages. I feel like. Yeah. yeah. I like support. a, like a Moby wrap for those first couple months, then mm-hmm. like a sling or, and then a more structured carrier for the. Yes. Years. You mentioned the meal trains. I'm curious, how do you ask nicely for high quality meals? Do you have a way <laughs> to do that? Um, I I say put a really good friend in charge of mm-hmm. your meal train so that they can be the one that's telling them this. Um, and and actually send out like a a, a nice invitation, not just from meal train you and meal train has gotten a little bit like mealtrain.com has gotten Mm -hmm. better over the years of having space for you to write um what your wishes are Mm -hmm. um and like there's a space for allergies or um, restrictions and I tell people to write in there like I want nourishing soups and stews and Mm -hmm. telling people what they do love and want rather than what they don't want that's a good point yeah because I I know that mostly you're just so grateful that other people are making you food but um I know and for us it was like it it actually does have to be gluten-free and it's so hard for me to ask but it's important the other thing is um that's the hardest I think is when your mother-in-law comes over usually it's a little bit easier to tell your mom like Mm -hmm. hey this is what I really want but just voicing it because welcome to parenthood people are going to have all kinds of (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) ideas of how you should parent and like just getting your voice heard from the get-go yeah and practicing with your partner like who's going to be in charge of talking to this segment of the family who's in charge of talking to this segment of the family and setting the boundaries before people come over yeah speaking of um printing things out and posting them on your refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, I have like a, a postpartum plan. That's just a one sheet. And it says, these are the foods that I love. These are the people mm-hmm. who are um, my support team. These, this is kind of the um, daily or weekly schedule. So you kind of know what's going on. Here's a list of things that are helpful to do around the house so that when your visitors come, they see it posted on your refrigerator and like, it's easy for them to just dig in. Yes. Yeah. I'm good about asking for food. I'm not so good about asking someone to like clean the bathroom. 
but yeah nobody wants to do that but it's just if it's like on there as things that do need to get done around the house maybe Mm -hmm. somebody will offer (laughs) yeah I mean I will hopefully I can be that mother-in-law that's like all right you should take yes. a nap with the baby and I will sweep the floors and clean the base. My mom did clean the baseboards at one point with one of my babies. And I was like, thank you so much. Cause oh. they were just splattered with toddler food and yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we talked a little bit about the postpartum body already with the baby carriers. A lot of moms are not really in touch with their body or at least the new version of their body postpartum. How do you even know if you're eating enough or not eating enough? I mean, I don't want a mom to be tracking her food. Um, I feel like the vast majority of postpartum moms are not eating enough food. Like, and then at the end of the day, they're binging on something and they're like, oh, I ate so horribly. And I'm like, you maybe, maybe hit your calorie goal with that binge. And that's why you were so craving whatever it was. Um, How do you kind of do that throughout the day in an appropriate way? Yeah, I am also not a fan of tracking food and really Mm -hmm. any tracking in postpartum. It can really create some anxiety. Um, But I I do find it helpful to quote unquote track your protein for just a couple Mm -hmm. of days. And um, I recommend that in pregnancy actually, just to see where you're at. Um, Some people are like, oh, I eat tons of protein. And then you actually look and it's like 20 grams and you really need to be like a hundred and concentrating on every single meal, being a healthy fat and a protein um, within your meals and your snacks and Mm -hmm. eat within that first 20 to 30 minutes, because in breakfast is just so important um, and making sure that you're eating something of quality first thing you can just really set the day off so much better mm-hmm. than if you have a piece of toast or a, a granola bar yeah yeah I have noticed that in myself absolutely so this was one of the questions but we can fast forward it to it what are your favorite quick breakfasts or make ahead breakfasts mm. um my f- I literally eat eggs every single morning and okay. Um, they're so easy and sorry, Teresa, I know you're um, not eating eggs, but they're just so nutrient dense and they give you everything that you need. Um, so we eat tons of eggs. I actually have chickens too. So that's nice. Yes. They're very Um, fresh. Yeah. Um, and we just use a whole bunch of grass fed butter and either throw in some arugula or eat it with an avocado. And that's my breakfast. Um, other things that are really helpful are to make ahead of time, like overnight oats. Um, I make them with raw milk, throw some berries some nut butter, make sure they really do soak through the night. Um, muffins and hard boiled eggs and some fruit and just putting those in some little containers mm-hmm. and muffins are so great. Cause you can stick all kinds of things in them and get all the nutrients that you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, the boiled egg idea is always so helpful. I forget about that. And then I go through phases of it when I'm eating eggs. Yeah, that's one of my go-tos for all of my postpartum clients. I'm like, I'm boiling mm-hmm. you a bunch of eggs and making you yeah. some oats and stocking your fridge because they, yeah. they make good breakfast and snacks. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I make like I soak a big batch of oats overnight and then bake them in the morning. And then it lasts us several days, like baked oatmeal um, with mm. collagen in it. And then I'll warm up some sausage. So that's how I get protein in the morning without eggs, but I do miss eggs. Yeah. So how would your dietary recommendations change as you go further on through postpartum? So like the fourth trimester, and I don't know where I heard this recently, but if somebody was talking about the fifth and sixth and seventh trimesters, and I was like, that's genius. Yeah. <laughs> it I mean, it still... just keeps going. <laughs> I know. It just, especially that first year, there are very distinctive shifts that even we're getting better about talking about the fourth trimester and we don't go beyond that. So, but your app does. Yeah. And so I know you've thought this through. Yeah. And really for me, 
that uh, I would say like sixth and seventh trimester, right where you're at, mm-hmm. uh, Therese, yeah. is so hard because society tells us we should be totally feeling better. Um, but chances are like your baby's probably still not sleeping all the way through the night. You haven't slept in a year. You um, could be depleted in some way or many ways. Um, but I would say between like, if you were to divide it up between like the fourth, it really depends on your breastfeeding goals and your journey. So if you're still breastfeeding mm-hmm. during those times, um, I uh, said in the beginning, like I, I have to remind myself that I'm not still breastfeeding and that I yeah. actually <laughs> need so much food. I may have that is a, big like a few pounds post weaning. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Everybody is so different. And, um, there are unfortunately no hard, fast rules for everyone to live by, except that we all really need fat, protein, minerals. Um, the fourth trimester, I find we actually do need a little bit more sugar. Um, Mm -hmm. sugar is a tissue builder and it helps with breast milk production and brain development and it also kind of helps us get through like only waking you know sleeping for two to three hours um but you do have to be careful and eat the right types of sugar preferably natural sugars from like dates and maple syrup and raw honey and making like delicious things like decadent custards and not just eating a bag of candy yeah um (laughs) Um, for the fifth and like fifth through seventh, I would say really concentrating, like shifting from those, um, like the fat and the sugar to the fat and protein and minerals, um, and mm-hmm. t- eating more or t- uh, drinking more adrenal cocktails and, um, and using adaptogens. Um, I don't recommend adaptogens before the first six weeks postpartum mm. so that your body can at least start to learn to regulate their hormones on their own. Um, and then if you are needing them, um, you can integrate some adaptogens after that point. That's interesting um, that you say that because so many postpartum, like really good quality products have ashwagandha. And I actually had a bad experience with that this time, I think, cause I was so depleted with blood loss that it took me a few days to realize the ashwagandha was giving me heart palpitations every time oh, I wow. took it. it just, wow. and then of course I looked it up and some people can have that reaction, especially when they're mm-hmm. in a really depleted state. Yeah. Yeah. Same with um, like Panix ginseng is in a lot of mm-hmm. um, adaptogenic supplements and recommended during postpartum, but it can, um, it can just be it can give you a little bit more, a little too much stimulus. And, um, especially for like type A type Mm -hmm. people. And Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden they're like super alert and not able to nap and maybe erring on the side of anxiety. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then I would say for like beyond breastfeeding, depending on when that happens, um, incorporating a lot more movement into your world um, and then focusing more on bigger whole nourishing meals and less on snacks, which we really need throughout those breastfeeding years. So do you, do you, I know people are so divided on this. I'm just curious, do you recommend snacking between meals or are you, you're saying once you get past that first year, you prefer just big meals? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I definitely, I definitely recommend snacking during, um, breastfeeding, Mm -hmm. um, and just listening to your body. And, but once you're past that stage, um, we should be getting our our nutrients throughout our, our meals. It doesn't Mm -hmm. always happen though. So if you didn't have a robust meal, like have a snack. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like my snacking is correlated to, how well we're sleeping at night more than how far yeah. I am postpartum. Cause if I'm not sleeping, I need to snack throughout the day or I am like really grumpy. Yeah. About listening to your body. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you have anything else to add to that before we move into some of the other Q and A's? Uh, no, 
jump to it. Okay, yeah. So the questions that we got on Instagram were kind of just variations on the same theme. So I kind of lumped them together. We talked about breakfast ideas. Um, the big one, I mean, and this is just my life right now. Like, what do I make for dinner when everybody's crying? And, <laughs> and it's already five o'clock. And I mean, I'm a meal planner, but you still have those days where you're like, oh, I don't want to make dinner. Yeah, I'm actually not a meal planner, which is fun. okay. Um, <laughs> I and I hate leftovers, and oh. um, and I love all my meals fresh. Mm-hmm. And I've become really good at like opening the fridge and being like, okay, that that and that would go good together. Um, but so things that I really like to do are um, sheet tray dinners. So like yes. everything just goes on yes. one pan and into the oven. Fish is super easy because it thaws quickly and you can cook it within like 20 minutes. Um, We do a lot of sweet potatoes in our house. Um, The kids love them. They're super nutrient dense um, and they're really easy to cook and you just need to peel them, chop them, throw them in the uh, in the oven. And sometimes we'll do like a little dusting of cinnamon on them or Mm -hmm. um, maybe just salt and pepper uh let's see and then rice and quinoa are also super fast if you're not like soaking them (laughs) for a super long period of time but um but yeah I mean there's dinner right there you've got your fish and your roots and your um your your grain throw Mm -hmm. some butter on it maybe like a little bit of fresh greens just to brighten it up I don't do salads but yeah, uh, a little bit of fresh. Yeah, this is a perfect time of year for like bowls and yeah, yeah just a grain and a meat and a, a vegetable and you're set. Yeah, I do help a lot of um, my clients put together just like roast off a big tray of different types of vegetables and then put them in different containers in the fridge so that you can build a bowl of anything mm-hmm. anytime. That's how on a good week, that's how I do lunch for myself to make sure that I'm not just eating like crackers and salami or something, which is a very common lunch around here. Yeah, I very often want to just work through lunch. um, Mm. So I have to be very dedicated and like sit down and light a candle and like have my lunch my my lunch of sorts like my easy button lunch would be um sardines mashed Mm. with avocado Mm -hmm. it's like so good little kimchi (laughs) yeah do you eat it with crackers sometimes yeah yeah Yeah. sometimes we'll have like some rice that we just have we cook a big pot of rice and then keep it in the fridge and then warm that up with it yeah yeah perfect um yeah sitting down is my goal for the new year with meals it's ridiculous I just it's so much harder than it should be yeah I think our children teach us um so much I I mean before I had kids I was working in restaurants and Mm -hmm. going to bed two in the morning and waking up at noon so I had a lot of shifting that I needed to do and Mm -hmm. now I actually like I just go to bed with my children and wake up with Mm -hmm. them so much better for my body. Yeah. Yeah. I used to eat my oatmeal, like driving to work in the morning and (laughs) not great for digestion. Mm. Yeah. So we did have a question. Do you recommend any supplements for babies? Yeah. Yeah. I recommend supplementing the mother Mm -hmm. um, first through food and then through supplement if they need it. Um, And the you, if you do want to give your baby vitamin D, um, you would need a significant amount more for yourself to pass through your breast milk. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, I say getting outside every single day so that you can get your vitamin D through the sunlight. I always had personally a 20 degree rule. If it, <laughs> if it was yeah. over that, I would be outside with my baby every day, at least giving um, their face, a little bit of sun exposure. Um, and then once they're six months old, I recommend introducing some cod liver oil, but before that I don't. 
I think it's best to really get it all through breast milk. How did you get your kids to take cod liver oil? I have not managed my older kids. Granted, they didn't grow up with it. So they're like, did you put fish oil in my elderberry <laughs> juice again? I'm like there's no way to hide it. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so definitely starting right when they're young, yeah. with all the things like liver and cod liver oil mm-hmm. and things like that. I like Rosita cod liver oil mm-hmm. and it's so pure and fresh. And I gave some to my three-year-old today of the Rosita and he loves it. They're yeah. both like yeah. vitamin fish, vitamin fish. Oh <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. You can try mixing it with like a little bit of honey, something sweet. Mm-hmm. I've almost wondered if I could sneak it into like salmon salad. Like you were saying you mash up sardines. Well, yeah. do that with salmon. I'm almost wondering, like it tastes fishy anyways. How, I don't know. Yeah. I'll report back. <laughs> yeah, do. <laughs> All right. So then the next question was, what are your favorite cookbooks for someone who doesn't like cooking? Not all of us are chefs. My my big answer is Marma. Yeah, uh, sure. And this is a big reason why we created it. I wasn't, a, and it's not a recipe app, but a huge portion of it, portion of it is recipes. And I've even had like my brothers download the app and they're like, this is awesome. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> and, fun. And there, there's so many great recipes in there and they're designed for pregnancy and postpartum. Mm-hmm. They're designed to be simple and um, get it done within a short amount of time with as many nutrients as possible within them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that um, one recipe was like shrimp skewers and what, what, what was one like, was it sweet potato chocolate muffins or something? There were a few oh, that gosh, caught my eye right away. So yeah. good. Yeah. Dark chocolate, sweet potato muffins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gluten-free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, the big news is Isaac's IgE allergy panel is actually negative for eggs at one year. So I just need oh. to psych myself up to reproduce them. That might take me a while because his reaction was pretty scary, but. Oh, yeah. That's encouraging though. Yeah, that's awesome. Someday. I actually, we were about to adopt one of my friend's chickens. Hi, Julia. I know she listened. Um, And then we were like, well, Isaac's allergic. So I guess we will not be adopting your chickens when you move away. Chickens are fun. They are hard. We have definitely taught some big life lessons already uh, to our children. (laughs) <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. We yeah. lost one of our, sorry. <laughs> no, no. We lost ta- one yeah. of our chickens last week or the week before. And my three-year-old mm. was like, we, Gaia, went back down into the earth. We have a good sized backyard, but it's not huge. Um, and so we just have six chickens. Um, okay. But we do have a big fire pit in the backyard. And that's where our uh, our chickens <laughs> go and the hawk comes <laughs> and eats them. Okay. Viking funerals, we call them. Okay. We talk about how they their ash goes into the back into the dirt and the yeah. soul goes up into the air. And yeah. Um, what encouragement do you have for the mom listening? who's like just so exhausted we've all been at that point where you're standing in the kitchen and like you just don't want to be anything nourishing just feels out of the question what encouragement do you have for her I say I mean do the easy keep it simple eating nutritious foods does not have to be hard um like we've talked about eggs so much um eggs are so simple to eat and throw some greens in there and it takes two minutes. Um, it does, cooking does not and should not have to take all day long. Um, some, and here's the thing too, is our society puts so much pressure on us to be and do so much. And also social media gives us that impression like, oh, look at all these moms doing all these cool things and making their kids' lunches look so creative. And like, (laughs) no, we do not have to be doing that. Uh, So some recommendations, eggs, roasted root vegetables, um, making soup in big batches and storing those Mm -hmm. in the fridge. That is one thing that I love as leftovers because soup just gets better better with time. Mm -hmm. 
and delegating. You are not responsible for it all. And you Mm -hmm. can like, you should literally make a list of who can you count on your partner, your neighbor, your friends. Um, Sometimes I have a lot of people that will do like um, batch cooking parties where Mm -hmm. it's like a trade almost. So like you go home and you cook six portions of this big soup and then divide it out and six of your friends do the same thing and then you trade and then you all have six meals to throw into your fridge it's just yeah we gotta work together yes I would love to organize something like that um have you heard of the cook once eat all week cookbook no it's from Cassie Joy Garcia from fed and fit that's probably Uh my most used cookbook because it's not it doesn't have to be leftovers I mean I am a big leftovers fan but you will cook you will batch cook a bunch of meat so like the meat of the week is pork or you know chicken or ground beef so you'll cook like four pounds of it and but then there's two or three different meals to make with that meat so it's like kind of batch cooking but it's not quite because you're not making it all ahead of time. You're just kind of making the meat ahead of time. I don't know. It works yeah. really well for us. I'll have to check that out. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Um, so the last question, it's it's so easy to focus on what we're doing wrong or what's hard or not going well. So I always like to ask, what's a routine or boundary or habit that is working really well for you and your family right now? Um, I mentioned this a little bit before that I go to bed really early. I started doing this with my first baby um, and I just go to bed with him like eight, 30, mm-hmm. and I go to, you know, like, and I wake up at sunrise. So we, um, it, it gives me the amount of time that I really need to be coming down and going to sleep, waking up and being fresh in the morning. Um, I just recently in the past couple of weeks, put my yoga mat right next to my bed mm-hmm. and just seeing it there. Every time I walk into my bedroom, I'm like, yes, I'm like, like I do a little <laughs> stretch and do a little down dog and just do like a little stretch. And that, um, is really nice. Um, I also like, I never eat after dinner. Um, and we usually eat pretty early, like five 30. Um, mm-hmm. and that's worked really well for me. Um, I don't recommend that necessarily during breastfeeding, especially in the early months. Um, but I like to have that long period of time for my digestion to really clear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, oh, um, boundaries with tech and EMF has been a big one for me. Um, just, I mean, every year, especially with the pandemic, it really crept in like all the screens. And, Mm -hmm. um, I personally feel a huge effect on my body. So I have got like all the crystals and I have like a 15 minute timer on my Instagram. And I just, I want more real life and less fake life, Mm -hmm. my life. (laughs) Yes. Uh, yeah, I love that. Well, ironically, my next question is about your app. I know. Uh, well, this is why I needed the the boundary. Yes, yes exactly. So you, we talked we talked quite a bit about Marmara. Is there something else you want to add about it for people to know? Um, well, so it just launched and it's totally free right now. It is yeah. not going to be that way forever. Um, you have the option. Uh, you have a lot of different options. It's, it's The app takes you week by week through your pregnancy and postpartum. There's lots of recipes. Um, you can go nutrient deep dives. And then you also have the opportunity to talk directly with a nutritionist. Um, you just hit the chat button and can ask like anything. And, um, that will definitely be a premium feature in the future, but right now we're trying to collect as much feedback as we can. Um, and we want to hear it. So, uh, I'm going to take advantage of that. Yes. All the questions. Cause right now it's me. I've got some other nutritionists like on the, the, the line. Cause we're going to need a lot more. I'm sure. Um, Oh, people are asking me these questions because I love talking about it, but I'm like, I'm not qualified to answer that question. So now I can point them to you. 
Yes, please do. Yeah. I also still do a lot of like one-on-one consultations and we'll be able to do that through the app as well. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. 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 That's great. Where else can someone find you online or locally in Kansas city? Yeah. Um, Instagram, my personal is at nettle.honey. Um, you can ch- please check out Marma at meet Marma. Um, you can email me. Um, gosh, I've got several websites, um, all the places I'll send you links to it. Yeah. And I'll link to your online shop especially because anyone anywhere can order your what are, are they called titty bars they're so titty good bars. <laughs> yeah they're such so a great marma snack. is actually gonna be um basically like absolving part of nettle and honey and we're gonna okay. be selling the titty bars through marma but they're gonna oh. change to marma bars and okay i'm a little bit sad but i get it it's not really <laughs> like our brand <laughs> yeah but it's such a kick out of candy bars and because what (laughs) remind me what's in them it's like dates and chocolate chips yeah yeah. so there's um dates sprouted oats chia Mm -hmm. um there's peanut butter chocolate um ashwagandha I remember liking them because they don't have fenugreek in them yeah but they have other supportive things in them for milk supply yeah, and I think that that is mostly what people need when it comes to good milk supplies. Like we need to be eating more nutrients yeah. and we need to be eating. Yeah, and we need to be eating meals and snacks. Yeah. Yeah. And dates are super beneficial and so are oats. I bought a bunch of them and it was like the one year out of the last nine years that I actually wasn't breastfeeding, but I ate so many of those <laughs> while we were moving because it was so stressful and it was just such an easy snack. <laughs> Yeah. yeah yeah oh all right well thank you for chatting Tori this was it was fun to catch up with you face to face so much fun thank you so much for having me hey guys thanks for listening today when this episode goes live you'll still be able to download the Marma app for free you can also check out the show notes for where to find Tori online as well as a link to my Amazon shop for my favorite family-friendly postpartum cookbooks In the show notes, you'll also find a link to the Nourished Mother Bundle, which contains five of our favorite PDFs from the Nourished Beginning Breastfeedings course, including the freezer meal plan and the course cookbooks, which gives you a total of 38 easy nourishing recipes, as well as a few other resources that are valuable in any stage of motherhood. Thank you so much for tuning in to Milk and Motherhood today. Don't forget to check out the show notes for links to some of the things we talked about. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends or leave a review to help other people find us here. As always, you can find me on Instagram at happy.mama.healthy.baby or on the internet at happymamahealthybaby.co. See you next time.